The Australian Breastfeeding Association is a registered charity. They rely on volunteers to offer courses and support to mums all around Australia. So today we're speaking to Emma Pennell. She has been a volunteer for the organisation for seven years. Welcome, Emma. Hi, thanks for having me. So lovely to have you. So I wish, I don't know, was the Australian Breastfeeding Association around 11 years ago? Yes, yeah. So we've actually been around since the 1960s. Um, oh. So, yeah, it's, um, we were, it was founded in the 1960s by um, a small group of women in Melbourne uh, who just came together because they wanted to support each other. And it's grown from there. It was originally called the Nursing Mothers Association. So um, many women from previous generations will know it as Nursing Mothers. But in the year 2000, I believe, we changed our name to the Australian Breastfeeding Association. I don't remember because I know when I had my first son, there was a lot of stress around breastfeeding for me. Mm. And I remember mm. being told, get a lactation consultant, get a lactation mm-hmm. consultant. And that sounded really scary and I didn't end yes. up doing it. Yes. But something like this, I think, would have appealed to me, but I probably didn't even know it existed. That's, yeah, such a shame because we probably could have provided you with a great deal of support. Yeah. Um, you know, and yeah, this is a bit more of a, I guess, low-key support than what you get from a lactation consultant because what we strive for is to provide a mother-to-mother support. So it's more of a peer-based support where you're talking to another parent who may have been through similar issues to what you're going through um, and you know that you're talking to someone who really yeah, gets that and gets what it's like to be a new mum. So important because you feel like you're treading water most of the time with everything that's happening. Absolutely. And, yeah, so, you know, it's one of those things, though, that unfortunately not everyone knows about us, the services we offer, but we're, you know, doing our best with what resources we have to try and get the word out there so that we can be there for mums who need us. So you've been doing this for seven years. So yep. I know that they offer you offer multiple services. Mm-hmm. And one of the ones that stands out to me is the pre-birth service. Yep. You have yes. an education session. I didn't do any education on once you've got the baby. <laughs> All my education at the hospital was about having the baby. Mm-hmm. So really interesting. So can you give us some information about what you talk about during that session? Yeah. Absolutely. So, look, I absolutely love our breastfeeding education sessions. They're for expectant parents to come along to. And we just basically talk about what to expect once the baby is born. Because, as you say, a lot of people don't have that learning beforehand. It's all geared towards the birth, what to expect for the birth, what's going to happen during the birth, which is really important to prepare for. But then, yeah, it's kind of there's this blank about what happens next. And you know, to their credit, a lot of hospitals do provide a bit of breastfeeding education as part of their antenatal education. But we find that what we're able to do is to go into it in a lot more depth because we spend more time with it. So we talk about, yeah, just what to expect in those early days. How often do babies feed? How can you tell your baby's getting enough milk? How to position and attach your baby so that you're not causing yourself pain or doing damage to your nipple. Um, and ensuring that your baby's getting enough milk, how to troubleshoot some of the common issues that mums have in those early days, and where to go to help for help, which is probably the thing that I hope that parents who attend these sessions come away with knowing most clearly is that you know there are places you can go for help if things aren't working out for you. 
Now, um, there's a couple of things you said there that really stood out yeah. for me. So one of my major concerns having kids was, mm. are they getting enough milk? Mm-hmm. And I panicked. I had postnatal and I was anxious. So yeah. I was always on edge about, are they getting yeah. enough milk? Are they okay? Are they satisfied? Do I need to supplement with the bottle? So mm-hmm. how do you know? How do you know? Yeah, look, that is absolutely probably the most common worry of any new mum. And look, the most simple way to keep an eye on it is to check how many nappies the baby is wetting every day. Uh So we know that if something's coming out, something must be going in. For a baby that's over five days old, we want to see at least five pretty wet nappies every 24 hours. Before that five days, it's one nappy per day of life. So on their first day of life, one nappy. On their second day of mm. life, two. Third day of life, they have three nappies and etc. until you get to that five nappies. And then after that, you want to see that as your minimum every day. So that's a really great indication that they're getting enough milk because if it's coming out, it has to have come in. That's great. We also look at their poos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also what's coming out, we talk about poos a lot. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> So, look, frequency of pooing can vary hugely from baby to baby and um, the range of normal of that is pretty big. But it's really important that when babies do poo, it's soft and runny. It's not at all like, you know, your adult sort of formed poos. It almost, it's more of a runny, sometimes cottage cheesy type consistency, mm-hmm. which sounds a bit gross. Um, and mustardy yellow colour is sort of what we're looking for. So nappies is the number one thing that's easiest to do in your own home just during the course of the day, just count how many times you change the nappy. Other than that, we also want to see that your baby is gaining some weight over a longer period of time. And that one, you know, you don't have to weigh your baby every day, but if they go for regular checkups with the nurse, that they're growing in length, that they have some periods during every day where they seem content. So you don't want a baby that is, you know, never content, but if they're content for at least some of the time, that's a really good sign that things are going well. They should have good skin tone, good muscle tone. (laughs) That's really great because I don't recall thinking any of those things. I was just, Mm. yeah, always stressed. So it's really great that it's quantitative now, you know, that goes in, goes out, you know, keep an eye on it. And that's the thing. I always like to come back to the nappies because that is just the easiest thing to do during the course of your day. Um, and even if you're, you know, in that baby haze where you're so tired, you can't even think to count, you know, I'd suggest, you know, you just might have like a bucket next to your change table where it's empty at the start of the day and then you just pop each nappy in that as the day goes on. And then at the end of the day, you can count yep. as you're putting in the bin or putting them in the wash if they're reusables. And that way, you know, how many nappies would use during the day. So now I want to come to something else that's really um, stuck out for me Mm -hmm. is there's a a bonding experience through breastfeeding, isn't there? Mm -hmm. And there's also the benefit of the nutrients and the immunity Mm -hmm. through the breast milk. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yes, definitely. You know, breastfeeding can be a very bonding experience for for mum and baby. You know, obviously it's not the only way we bond with our babies, but it can be a really important one in a breastfeeding relationship. And that's, you know, really just about holding your baby close, the attention that you pay to your baby while you're feeding, they pay to you, breathing in each other's smells, that skin-to-skin contact is really taps into that primal thing we have as humans to connect to other humans, you know. So that's all that bonding is about. It's 
not what's something magical or something that's exclusive to breastfeeding. We know that you know non-breastfeeding parents also have can have really close bonds with their babies through you know spending lots of time with them and having skin to skin time and all of that as well. And then with the immunity stuff, that is you know absolutely amazing. It kind of it blows my mind when I think about it. Really, how clever our bodies are. So the way that works is that basically <laughs> through breast milk, the mum is able to kind of share her immune system with her baby and it's really responsive. So if mum's got a bit of a cold, her body's going to start making antibodies to fight that cold and those antibodies come into the breast milk and when the baby feeds, the baby will also get those antibodies. So the baby is getting some protection from its mother's cold just from feeding. Mm. Not only that, and this is where it gets really, really amazing, but if the baby has got a bit of a cold, even if mum's completely well, the mum's immune system picks up on that and will start making antibodies for the baby's cold so that the baby can get those antibodies through the breast milk as well. <gasps> yeah, that's the bit that really astounds me. It's yeah. amazing. <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah. So that's the really amazing thing about breast milk is that it is responsive, like it responds to the baby's needs. If the baby's unwell, it will make antibodies for the baby. As the baby grows older, it changes to meet the baby's growing needs. It changes from early in the day to late in the day. It changes constantly. The other thing, in, in hot weather, it tends to be a bit more watery to quench the baby's thirst. So I just find that absolutely amazing. Yeah. The way breast milk changes to meet the baby's needs. Wow. No what those needs are. No, I yeah. didn't know any of that. I wish I'd known that too. And then I would have focused better. Like, okay, focus. It's going to be good now. It's going to going to benefit you. It's going to be okay. Oh, yeah. But the thing is, though, you can't necessarily will things to yes. be right, though. No yes. what you know. Because it's not just about having the knowledge, you know. It's about also having the support. Yeah. Um, and that's often what women are lacking when they're struggling with breastfeeding. So say someone is struggling with breastfeeding. I know you've got a helpline, which is 1-800-686-268, 1-800-686-268. So they could give you a ring or someone on the line a ring and just chat about their concerns, their questions, their needs. And then Mm -hmm. what happens from there? Our helpline is staffed by volunteer breastfeeding counsellors like <laughs> myself and we are trained to to provide counselling basically so we try to meet a mum where she's at and talk through her concerns with her um, and help her decide what she wants to do from there so after that you know sometimes that's all she needed was just a bit of a chat a bit of a debrief a bit of reassurance and you know that's it sometimes if there's a more complicated issue we might suggest that she follow up with um, a consult with a lactation consultant so lactation consultants aren't you know connected to us as such so they would need to then go and find their own lactation consultant and we can you know help them do that to some extent sometimes it might be a suggestion that they follow up with their gp or maternal child health nurse or depending on what sort of issue it is there there are different avenues that she could follow to get support beyond what we can give because we're not actually health professionals as such we're you know we're a counseling service rather than a health professional service if that makes sense yeah the other the other thing that she might want to follow up with then is getting in touch with her local group so as well as the helpline we also have local group all around australia and yeah if she wanted to she could get along to a local group meeting and meet 
some local mums who might be going through some similar stuff to her, get support from her local breastfeeding counsellors. That's really, really awesome. And yeah. that's something you said there was it's about her, what her needs are, her choices, yes, her options. Absolutely. So I know a friend of mine chose not to breastfeed because mm-hmm. it was an, a personal choice and that's just how it was. Now, yeah. something interested me on your website, it does say bottle fed babies. You support mothers of bottle fed babies too. Mm-hmm. And that surprised me to be honest can you talk to me about the choice that's there for those people and the support that's still available from you look I I mean I suppose it's a little bit tricky in a case where um, a mum has chosen to bottle feed we absolutely support that as a valid choice that some women are going to make for whatever reason and they should know that if they do want to talk to us about um, what's going on with them that they won't experience any judgment for their choice because as I said it's about meeting a mum where she's at and we do respect that there are all sorts of reasons why a woman might choose not to breastfeed but if a woman for example had wanted to breastfeed and found that it didn't work out for her then she might want to to debrief about what went wrong she might be thinking forward to future births and you know will she be able to breastfeed in the future um, so sometimes we do will have mums who are bottle feeding but thinking that they'd like to give breastfeeding another go the next time they have a baby and so they'll come to us for support and information about how things could go differently if she was to give it another try so that's one way and I think talking about just providing some support for you know often there are feelings of grief associated mm-hmm. with breastfeeding not lasting as long as you were hoping it would so yeah we can certainly help a mum work through her grief around that and provide some some ongoing support for that grief yes so that's what I was going to come to then Mm. so because I know a friend of mine her daughter decided to stop breastfeeding when she was about Mm. 10 months old it was a daughter's Mm -hmm. choice Mm -hmm. uh, not the mother's option or choice and she really struggled to realign her relationship with her daughter the change and I I'm very black and white. I didn't think about that stuff for myself and I was going through Mm. other things. So can you talk Mm. to me about the support you offer mums when something like that happens? Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, it's, I guess, as with any form of counselling, it's mostly about listening, Mm. holding the space, being there for her to be able to express those feelings of grief. And I think it can be, it can be a tricky one because often perhaps she's tried to talk to a friend or a relative about what happened and how she was feeling. We told, oh yeah, but you know, your baby's fine. So what are you worried about? You know, Mm. your, your baby's still healthy. Don't worry about it. But that's not listening to her actual experience of it, which is a bit of grief, which is such a normal response to the a big change in a relationship like that of any kind. It's also normal, a normal response to not being able to meet the goal that you had in mind. So, yeah, I think we often have very clear expectations about how parenthood is going to be and what we expect of ourselves as mothers. Um, and so if breastfeeding was a really big part of that, then if it comes to an end sooner than you're ready for it, that obviously is going to cause feelings of disappointment and grief because you know, that was not what you were hoping for, not what you're expecting. 
The other factor which a lot of people don't realise is that when breastfeeding stops, there is a hormonal change in the mother's body. And those hormones, that change in hormones, can cause feelings of sadness and grief and, you know, upset as well. So on top of just the, the, you know, normal sort of, it can be really sad and disappointing because it hasn't worked out, there is also a hormonal response that can leave you feeling pretty low for a few days until things start to balance out again, which can happen to mums who have even, you know, made the choice, like, yep, I'm ready to wean, I'm going to wean now, time to move on. They can still feel this. It's it's kind of like, you know, that, that new baby blues that yep. pretty much all of us go through in those early days with the baby. It's like that again, but it's caused by stopping breastfeeding because of the change of hormones in our bodies at that time. So it's, yeah, it's a big emotional time stopping breastfeeding, even when you have chosen to do it and you're happy with that choice. Yeah, it's really normal to have those feelings. It's really good to recognise because I'm not Mm. sure that that was a conscious thing in my mind Mm. either. Something else I'd like to talk about. So women obviously now in our society go back to work quite quickly after having Mm -hmm. children and then feeling the need or the goal for them to continue that breastfeeding. So how do you, I guess it's listening, as you said, and holding space, which is fantastic and validating, which is just amazing. Mm -hmm. But now in our society, is it more seen as acceptable to be pumping milk at work? Is that acceptable? And how how does that work? Yeah. So look, I mean, it hopefully should be becoming more acceptable because, you know, women do have a legal right to be able to do that. Um, However, a lot of workplaces are not quite, you know, up to speed with with that. Um, So, yeah, look, it's about negotiating with your workplace. Um, And we do have a particular service that can go into workplaces and do an assessment and help them work out how they can be more supportive of breastfeeding parents in the workplace. Look, there are a lot of benefits for businesses to be supportive of breastfeeding mothers in this way. We know that mothers who continue to breastfeed when they go back to work don't need to take as much time off work for looking after a sick child, for example. Mm. because of that immune benefit that mm. the baby gets from breast milk, like they, when they get sick, they tend not to be sick for as long. So even if mum has to take some time off because her baby's sick, she usually can get back to work a bit quicker. So that's a benefit. It's it's also a benefit if, you know, just in terms of if you have a happier workforce because they're able to, you know, take care of their family the way they want to at the same time as working, then that's going to be a benefit for the organization as well for the mum look yeah just you know we can make suggestions about how she might be able to manage combining breastfeeding and work there are lots of different ways to do it so you know pumping at work like ideally your workplace will be able to provide you with some sort of private-ish space you know to be able to do that preferably not a toilet (laughs) (laughs) yeah and look and I've heard of some women you know, needing to express in the toilet, which mm. is not at all ideal because obviously you want it to be hygienic, yeah. you want it to be clean and comfortable and, you know, some some space in the fridge to store her breast milk. Um, you know, they're the you know sort of basic requirement. And, you know, some mm. women do find that when they go back to work, it's, and a lot of it depends on how old your baby is, how breastfeeding's going, 
etc etc but look some women do find that especially if their baby's a bit older they might not need to express at work so much um, that was actually my personal experience when I went back to work I went back to work when my eldest child was about 11 months old and for the first month I was back at work I expressed um, every day and sent bottles of expressed breast milk along to childcare for him he refused to drink those bottles of milk <laughs> It was absolutely gutting to me that yeah. I was sending along this precious milk and he was absolutely refusing to have it. And so I stopped sending it eventually once he was over 12 months old and could move on to cow's milk as a drink during the day. I just stopped sending it and found that because I wasn't sending it, I didn't need to pump as much while I was at work. Yep. And... Eventually, like I did need to at first still for comfort. So there, there is that thing where even if you've said, oh, I don't need to express this because my baby doesn't need the milk, your breast doesn't know that. So yep. it's still making the milk and you still need to get it out so that you don't end up engorged and, and overfull. But I didn't express as much then because I was just expressing for comfort and eventually it settled down to the point where I could go all day at work without expressing and then breastfeed my baby when we were back together again. So he would breastfeed all day on the days I was at home and on the days I went to work, he would have a breastfeed in the morning before I dropped him at childcare and then he would feed again at night after I picked him up. So that was absolutely fine. That's what worked for us. And again, you know, the amazingness of breast is my breast seemed to adapt to that and seemed to know that on work days they didn't need to make as much milk, which is pretty weird. It's so interesting, isn't it? How cool is <laughs> that? Is. I know. And I've heard other women tell really similar stories. So it's not just that I was weird. No. <laughs> it can be a common story. But, I mean, it's one that's really only going to work with an older baby. With younger babies, um, yeah, there is more of a need to, to keep up the expressing and, and that. But, yeah, there's also other options as well. So sometimes you know, mums will start moving into to a mixed feeding sort of situation where their baby might have a bit of formula during the day while they're at work and then breastfeed while they're together. And that sort of thing can work really well as well. Sounds so good. Now, I've got a bit of a controversial question for you now. Yep. So I was going to the UK once on an aeroplane. It was quite a while ago and there was a little mm. toddler running up. Well, I don't think he was a toddler. He seemed <laughs> quite old to me. Anyway, he yep. had teeth and running up and down the aisle. Yeah. And then he's gone to his mum, literally walked up to his mum, sitting down, grabbed her boob out and started drinking. I guess for me, that's judgment coming from me, totally judgment coming from mm, me because mm. I was like, whoa, how old is he? Is he going to bite her? Like, yeah. you know, he can run. He, <laughs> should he be doing that? So is there some sort of an, an age appropriate cutoff or it's just it's a, it's a mum and child decision? Yeah, absolutely. It is, it is a mum and child decision. So, yeah, look, it's totally understandable you had that reaction because it's not something we see very often in Australia. Most Australian babies um, probably are fed for a maximum of 12 months. Mm -hmm. We are seeing more and more babies being fed longer than 12 months, but it's not as common and it tends to be that as the child gets older, they don't feed as often. So you're less likely to feed in public. It's probably going to be something that's more likely to be just happening at home, like early in the morning, before bed at night, that sort of thing. Um, so we don't tend to see it. And so it doesn't seem very normal to us when we do. And so I totally understand your reaction. However, what a lot of people don't realise 
is that the World Health Organization actually recommends breastfeeding for at least two years. Whoa. Um, yep. And that I think a lot of people say, oh, yes, but that's just kind of for developing countries. But no, it's it's for every child in the world. As they say, ideally, every child in the world would be breastfed for two years. So they talk about exclusive breastfeeding for the first six months. So that's breast milk only, no other food. And then with the addition of solid foods from six months onward up to two years and beyond, they say they don't even say cut off at two years. They talk about two years as sort of a minimum. And in a lot of countries in the world, that is really normal. Here, it's much less common. So however, our National Health and Medical Research Council um, also recommends breastfeeding for a minimum of 12 months and beyond. And also with that, six months exclusive at the beginning. So look, it's becoming more common, I think, as more mums become aware that that is something that is considered to be biologically normal. So yeah, it's considered to be biologically normal for, for babies to breastfeed for at least two years. It's perhaps not culturally normal. Um, and that's why a lot of women don't, because I guess they often don't realise that it's something that they might could do. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they, they might experience yeah, feelings of, of judgment, oh, this is wrong, oh, I need to stop, whatever. I think the other thing to, to bear in mind is most mums who do breastfeed for that longer period of time probably didn't set out to do so in the beginning. So, you know, one thing about me is I breastfed my first child for three years and mm. my second child for four years. Wow. So, um, and not many people would know that because, as I say, when they get older, they're just feeding in the morning and at night. But certainly with my first child, I initially thought that I would breastfeed for about nine months because that was when I was planning to go back to work. And it seemed to me that, yeah, that seemed like a good period of time to breastfeed for, right? Mm-hmm. When we got to that nine months, I was like, oh, he's still just a little baby. <laughs> he still needs breast milk. Mm. So I thought, oh, I'll do it for another three months. I'll breastfeed him until he's 12 months. And then when we got to 12 months, he still just seemed like a little baby who still needed his <laughs> breast milk. So I thought, oh, I'll, I'll go for another six months. I'll breastfeed until he's 18 months. And by the time we got there, I don't know, I think I'd stopped even bothering to place a limit on it. I just thought, oh, I'll just keep going as long as it works for both of us. And I ended up feeding him even the whole way through my pregnancy with my second child. Wow. And yep. And then he weaned just after she was born because he did not like the change in taste to the milk once um, I had a new baby. Wow. So, yeah. But then with the second child, because I'd had that experience of feeding the first one for so long, I did start out with the idea, well, I should feed her for at least three years because that's how long I fed her brother for. But, yeah, it certainly was never my intention in the early days. Yeah. That's so fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. That was great. You're such an earth mother. Such an (laughs) earth mother. It's been so wonderful having your opinions and your ideas and your compassionate nature so comes through. So thank you, Emma. Thank you. You're welcome. So tell me, do you have a quote or a couple of quotes that you can share? Oh, (laughs) gosh. I find this really hard when you put on the spot to come up with these things. But... (laughs) Um, there's so many wonderful quotes out there, but I guess in terms of thinking about what we've been talking about today, the one that kind of bubbles up and came to mind is it takes a village to raise a child because that is kind of what we're trying to be for, for mums 
in Australia as an association, that village that you can turn to for help, that you can call when things aren't going well for you and you just need someone to vent to or a shoulder to cry on. And yet people who who get you and who are there to support you, that's our goals. Beautiful. So that is definitely what it sounds like. So the Australian Breastfeeding Association is breastfeeding.asn.au or the helpline one eight hundred six eight six two six eight. Thank you again so much, Emma. That's okay. I should also let you know, we also have a Facebook group that is available to any mum in Australia who wants to join that called Breastfeeding with ABA. So Breastfeeding with ABA. So jump on there if you want to jump on the Facebook page. Awesome. So you're on Good Health Radio. We've been speaking to the amazing Emma about all things breastfeeding and enlightening conversation. We will be back after this break. (laughs) 